0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Truth radio show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. The following interview that we did was taped with an individual before the pandemic happened. Our show is driven by some kind of force. I mean, All the questions I answer are based on intuition. And when I did this interview, I kept on getting these intuitive feelings to hold off, don't air it, don't air it. And I would always check in with this. I'm like, I couldn't understand why, because the person we have is fantastic. But I kept on getting this nudge, don't air it. And then this week it was like, you have to air that show this week. And when I listened to the interview, it revealed exactly why. Because it shows that this person was ahead of their time. Some of their predictions came true. And they're also an amazing teacher when it comes to freedom. I can't tell you how important it is to not only be passionate about freedom today, but also be very strong-willed about it. They say it only takes a small minority of people to make things happen. I believe that. But I also believe that you have to be strong enough because... It's easy to fall prey to the collective idiocy. If a lot of people are doing something and it's downright evil or downright stupid, there's a societal pressure to kind of go along thinking, well, if everyone's doing it, maybe I should do it. And I say, the hell with that. No. If you know something is wrong, you do what is right. And if you know something is stupid, you do what is smart. And our featured guest really puts things in perspective and it's a great honor to have him with us. Let us begin tonight's program. It is a great honor to welcome to the program today Mr. Lou Rockwell, founder and chairman of the Mises Institute. And he's also the editor of lourockwell.com. He's authored several books and called call him a very passionate advocate of freedom and liberty. Learn more about him by going to his website at lourockwell.com. Mr. Rock- Rockwell, welcome to the program. Great to be with you, Mr. McCormick. Thank you. I loved your speech at the Ron Paul conference this past weekend when you're talking about war because so many people did just hear about war and they just think about it in movies and video games and it's not really happening yet. You laid out in detail how horrific it is. So what is the biggest consequence of society that is not aware of the consequences of war and what will those consequences ultimately bring to that society?
1: Well, I think we're all taught from really the earliest days in school to uh, love war. War's a wonderful thing. It brings us freedom. Uh, our soldiers uh, you know, fought and died. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't be free. Uh, and uh, we, we, wars are, are necessary. Maybe uh, they can have unfortunate aspects, but they really are significant, and we should uh, love past wars, present wars, future wars, and uh, it's 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 quite astounding because war is uh, I would say the most evil thing the state does. The state itself is evil, uh, but its wars are the most evil thing it does, and it's and they're pro- they probably the most characteristic part of the state. Uh, so uh, that they people who who rise to state power tend to love killing people. They don't necessarily want to do it themselves. They probably don't want to do it themselves. They want to have others do it. Uh, but they just get a kick out of sending young kids off to die, young kids off to kill people. Uh, there are unfortunately too many Americans who are happy to go kill people who never did anything to them. Their society never done anything. The country they're going after, maybe they've barely even heard of it. And yet they're willing to pick up a gun and, and, and go kill people. And that's, I must say, highly unfortunate. So uh, war enables the state to do everything it wants to do to censor the news, to tax us with, you know, tremendously high taxes, to make people believe lies. That's another thing about even Winston Churchill, who was a terrible warmonger, uh, said that uh, the lie was the, uh, the essence of war. Uh, he, uh, he was a big liar, so I guess he thought that was okay. But if you are not a liar, if you don't believe in lies... Uh, if you're um, religious, if you remember that uh, the Lord said that blessed are the peacemakers, He didn't say blessed are the war makers. Yeah, <laughs> and yet we would think He did from all the the uh, the uh, uh, ministers and others who just love to preach sermons about war, who love to have the soldiers in their uniforms come to church and show just what's great about. The American people, I guess, they think it's just the wonderful thing that uh, the U.S., for example, is fighting seven wars right now and has killed an unbelievable number of people. And And uh, people don't even care. I mean, it's, it's called, well, it's too bad. It's collateral damage. Well, collateral damage is it's uh, men and women, children with their heads blown off and their legs blown off and their homes destroyed, their businesses destroyed, their communities destroyed. You know, that's just that's that's war, as they would say. But war is, is is such a terrible thing, and uh, you know, it was Trump was considered an it was an unbelievable outrage when he he didn't immediately bomb Iran when they shot down an American spy drone uh, that they said was um, on their in, in their territory might very well have been, of course, um, and he said he thought about maybe 150, or he was told 150 people would die if the U.S. quote unquote responded. I think it would have been a lot more than that, but he thought, I, I don't really do, I don't really want to do that. That would be a great thing, by the way, if politicians stop to think, do I really want to, you know, in the Iraq war that George W. Bush started, uh, between 800,000 and a million uh, civilians have been killed. Uh, in, the, in the Vietnam War, six to seven million civilians killed. Um, and of course, World War II, 50 million people killed. And it's, it's uh, World War I, millions of people. I mean, I, I, I would like to actually find out, and I must say, I've never been able to find out. Maybe some of your listeners have got an idea. What is a good estimate of the number of people the U.S. government has killed in its career of warfare? I mean, it's been in war ever since the U.S. was established. And, um, you know, wars against Britain in the War of 1812 against, against uh, Mexico against the South, against uh, the Indians, the Plains Indians, against uh, the Spanish, against the Germans. I mean, it's, it's and this is all considered just great stuff. This is wonderful. Uh, let's salute all these guys. Let's cheer. Them. I think it's let's... sick.
0: I, I think it's sick. And I understand when I was at that conference and I was talking to you and I was talking to the people there, I felt for one of the rare times that I didn't feel like an outcast because when I talk about peace to the average person and look at you like you're strange and here I am sitting in a room with three or four hundred people and they're all peaceful and they're all sharing these ideas and it just seems very normal and healthy like, to not want to harm your neighbors, to not want to do horrible things Yet it seems like a majority of the people are out there doing it. Is there any particular reason why you feel or think that peace and liberty and this commonsensical approach to just do as you would want to do unto others and be peaceful is not taking people by storm. Like they're not excited or passionate about it. They're just completely <laughs> okay with this jet and this destruction. Like they don't care. I, I feel like I'm in a horror movie and I'm the only person who can see the bad guy. I don't know.
1: Well, at, at, at that conference, those people were the way they are because it was a Ron Paul conference. And Ron Paul is our, is our great modern hero. Among for many many things, but for uh, uh, peace and liberty as as going together. In fact, you can't have war and liberty. I mean, Mises makes this point uh, that eventually uh, you will lose your liberty, and that uh, uh, that a free market is is designed for a peaceful nation, and that if uh, people instead of trading peacefully uh, are killing each other, that's that's uh, uh, you can't you you can't have freedom, and of course also you're you're committing the sin of murder. Uh, it's it, people think of course that if you're working for the government, whether you're a politician or whether you're a soldier, what you do uh, the the normal rules of morality don't apply to you. You're above the normal rules, so that if uh, for example if I had an if I had a grievance with uh, some guy in the next town and I blew up his neighborhood, uh, no, people. Would, People would want to, of course, put me in jail and they, would, they would think I was the most horrible guy possible. Yet if this were Iraq and I were doing it as an American soldier, well, hey, great, cheer me and uh, give me a medal. So it's it's uh, yes, it's true that people are, uh, uh, are brought to believe that that uh, killing, murder, uh, kidnapping, the draft, that is, um, uh, 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 and of course, theft, uh, they call it taxation. Are all more than justified uh, when you're killing people. Now, I, I, I don't like, I don't like domestic spending. I don't like the, you know, maybe they're uh, uh, spending on health healthcare or whatever. But what, what, whatever is going on in domestic spending, uh, unless it's the CIA or the FBI or, or institutions of that sort, it's so much better than what the U.S. does overseas. And there's, and, and now there's not even, of course, a declaration of war as Ron Paul puts it just happens. Out. The, the, the president just decides, hey, let's go kill those people. Let's bomb them. And uh, the U.S. is bombing people in Syria and, and, and so many other countries. And does anybody care who's killed? No American seems to care that the innocents are being killed. Children and, and uh, uh, in, in all these wars for quite a long time, the major number of casualties have been civilians, not soldiers. Far more civilians are killed in all these wars. Than soldiers, and I'm not for killing the soldiers on either side either. But uh, there's something isn't there something sadly odd that it's civilians who pay? Mises said that uh, um, war, if you're going to have war, and I don't think you should ever have war, but if you're going to have war, uh, then it should be a war of the soldiers. That uh, they should not aim at civilians. They shouldn't try to kill civilians. And in in the 18th century. Uh, they, in general, didn't try to kill civilians. And in fact, when there was a battle going on, people would go out and watch it and, and um, they wouldn't be targeted. So I think that uh, that's not a good thing either. You shouldn't enjoy watching uh, a horror like that. Uh, it's really, I guess, no different than the people who enjoyed watching the killing on the Roman Colosseum. This is the sort of thing, I guess, is, is part of the human psyche, at least in a lot of cases. Uh, so it's, it's so important that those of us who don't like you and I who don't believe in these things speak out. And it's true that uh, we only have a minority of people who are with us, but you know, it's a much bigger minority than it used to be. I don't think there's no question. And just in my lifetime, when I was a boy, um, nobody questioned war. And, uh, I, I was sort of brought up to question war cause my dad, um, was uh, drafted into world war one and just he was a, a doctor. And just before he was sent uh, to Europe, the war ended. And he was very, very, very glad that that had happened. And then uh, uh, when World War II was coming, uh, his son, my brother, uh, was a tremendous pilot. I mean, from the age of 14, he was piloting planes and just a very, very talented pilot. And uh, my, my dad, um, th- through a judge he new, uh, tried to make sure that he would not be drafted, or at least if he were drafted, he wouldn't be sent overseas. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that my brother didn't do what my father wanted. Uh, he was, he went into the, uh, what was called the U.S. Army Air Force at that point. And uh, he and uh, some other pilots, um, he was piloting a, a, a uh, uh, it was a, an empty uh, plane that would bring troops with it, with other planes, and they were shot down by Americans in uh off of uh, sicily and uh, it's called friendly fire they don't uh it's okay we killed you but it's okay we're your friends um but of course it's if if uh you know anybody who's who've lost a son uh in in a war people don't get over this and if the fact that they're they're told they should be uh uh, if not happy about it at least uh, proud of their son and proud of what he did and really it's uh, you shouldn't hurt too much because of that well of course it's uh, entirely nonsensical uh, but my dad uh, I'm, I'm glad to say despised Franklin Roosevelt and uh, Harry Truman and and uh, uh, I was brought up in with I would say with the with the right uh, the right ideas
0: Good. well I'm glad that the freedom and peace is taking grip and getting stronger but This is probably going to be a two-part question. I don't know where things are going right now. I feel that the state is getting a lot stronger, especially the fact that they want to implement some kind of Chinese-based credit score system where it's basically heading towards an Orwellian dystopian era that I think is probably going to be here. People are probably going to want to embrace it. So I wonder, if you look at the elites... It seems that they're getting more evil, they're getting more creative, and they're innovating their evilness and their tyranny. Just like the same way you see something in one way, like in a, in a, in a capitalistic society where a cell phone becomes innovative, it becomes better, it becomes sharper, it becomes better. It seems that like the elite are, in a way, they're innovating their the tyranny. Whereas when it comes to freedom, I think that it's coming along, but not nearly as quick as the tyranny. So, what I wanted to ask you is, is there anything that people who have love and peace and respect for all in their hearts is there anything that you think that we can do to accelerate our development is there any societies that we can join that we can pledge allegiance to to become stronger so one of us can become stronger than a hundred people who are sheep who are going to lay down and let this machine run over them because i don't want to be one of those people and you know if this thing's going to happen if the evil in the state's going to win, I'm going to, st- I'm going to go out on my feet. I'm not going to go out on my knees like the masses. I refuse. I refuse to capitulate to the tyranny. I refuse to capitulate to any of this darkness. And I'm going to go out standing for freedom because I hope, I hope that somehow, some way, shape, or form, that will carry the day. So I just want to know what your thoughts.
1: Well, I, I think you could join the Mises Institute. You could join the Ron Paul Institute. I mean, there are organizations that are dedicated to peace. Um, and those that doesn't by any means exhaust the the number of them mentioned in those two. Although those are my are my two favorites, um, but uh, you know I I think it's I think we do face we do face trouble. I mean for the first time ever the state has has um, outsourced the police state to private organizations, uh, Facebook and Google and and the rest of them. And I think uh, there's evidence that uh, some of these organizations were funded by the CIA at their start. And they certainly work very closely with the CIA and with other evil organizations in, in the, that are part of the U.S. government. So I think, yeah, they're spying on all of us, and uh, they definitely are sharing their data with the government, and the government shares this data with them. So it's I don't think something like that has ever existed before. And because a private uh, institution is far more uh, creative and, and far more effective than any uh, government institution this of course is a terrible development uh, not that we want government institutions but uh, the government is fundamentally a stupid organization I mean the state is just a, a, a very dumb operation uh, and uh, unfortunately m- most of its ideas for expansion and for uh, um, things it should be doing to us come from private ind- from private sector businessmen who can make a lot of money by by doing this whether they're Um, again, for working for Google or Facebook or all the other, all all these other tyrannical operations. So it's, it's, um, you're, 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 right to be concerned. Uh, but I would say that, you know, I always like what Albert J. Knock was asked a similar question, you know, what can, what can we do to help spread freedom and so forth? And he said, really, the only thing you do is to present society with one improved unit, All you can really do is improve yourself. You can, for example, read about uh, issues of war and peace. You can read about the economics of war. You can read about civil liberties in war and so many different things. And uh, the the more you know about it, the more other people will approach you and uh, uh, seek to have you have a position of leadership. Uh, So that's I think that you know that's really the the first thing you that's the first thing that you you've got you have to do is to improve yourself and again that's mostly by reading, uh, understanding economics, understanding history, understanding political science from all from the right perspective of course not from the state's perspective, not from the standpoint of the of the crazed liberals who are running the uh, the academia today, and uh, and really corrupting. The students who are entrusted to them—it's, it's, uh, I think, um, more and more people, certainly more and more boys, are asking the question: you know, should I go to college? Or even saying, I don't want to go to college. And I think that's—I think that's right. I mean, to go to an institution that's going to constantly teach you that you're the scum of the earth and responsible for every single problem in human history—you, the—you uh, a boy? Yeah. Why are you? Why are you paying them? Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, it's, there's this something funny about that? So there are other things that can be done. Uh, learning a trade and so forth uh, might be uh, much more uh, uh, applicable to staying alive during the during probably the the uh, terrible recession that we're facing. So, um,
0: Dr. Paul did mention the the, the recession. I mean, you talked about the, the the economic calamity, which we've covered on our program before. We did a we had a four part show. We had Peter Schiff. And Jim Rogers and several others talking about this. And I've talked to the listeners a right. lot about this. But I'm curious when this economic calamity happens, based on what you're seeing right now, do you foresee America, collectively speaking, going into a hyper form of tyranny and control? Or do you feel that that could be the one moment, maybe the opportunity for a portion, if not the entire country, to experience or embrace liberty and free market in its totality for what it was intended to be?
1: Well, I, I would say the latter, but you know we, we just have to we'll have to wait and see. But I don't think there's any question. Just to take one thing, this country is far too big. U.S. The U.S. is a you know a gigantic. You can't possibly have uh, 300 million people controlled by one uh, evil city in, uh, in 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 Washington D.C. Um, so I think that there could very well be a breakup. I'd love to see a breakup. As a matter of fact, a peaceful breakup. Uh, where people could uh, govern themselves and not be controlled by Washington, that would help a lot uh, but even if that even if that isn't ahead, you're absolutely right that in this kind of situation, people are open, their ears are open maybe for the first time in their lives to understand first of all what the heck is going on, why has it happened? Uh, what is this recession? Uh, who's responsible for it and uh, And this is a good time to talk about the size of the military budget. Why does the U.S. government have 800 military bases around the world? 800 bases uh, in uh, like 170 countries. It's it's uh, because, of course, the U.S. government seeks to be the world government. Uh, we used to say that about the Soviets, although they certainly they might have had the desire to be, but they never had the wherewithal to be. Um, it was always a, a uh, the Soviet economy was always a disaster. Um so the U.S. government would like to be the world government. And uh, I think and hope that that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I think it's not going to continue. Ron Paul thinks they're going to be forced to bring the troops home by the by the uh, the the recession and what follows from it.
0: I worry so about that. That
1: would be what a but a great thing that would be
0: i th- I'm glad they would come home, but I wonder if they're coming home and all that military equipment that's overseas is coming home. I wonder how much of that's going to be used to to basically curtail the people and curtail civil liberties
1: well I think that's uh, I think that's a legitimate concern, but uh, are the are the soldiers seeing what's happening to their communities their their families, their parents, their uh, wives and, and children are they going to be for that kind of thing, or might they be slightly subversive themselves um, uh, I don't know. I mean, after it was a very, very different time, but the Keynesians all worried and argued against the idea of uh, um, sending all the civilians, all the soldiers of World War II into the civilian economy. Said, oh, no, that would be the worst depression ever, it would be like the economic end of the world. And of course, uh, as um, uh, Professor Robert Higgs has shown, 1946, the year after the war, when all the soldiers were Uh, send into the civilian economy was the greatest period of growth in the entire history, probably of the human race. I mean, it was the most extraordinary thing. And it had to do also with the government budget being drastically cut and uh, government uh, civilian employees being let go. Uh, They didn't do everything right, but they sure did a lot of things right. And it uh, was of just tremendous benefit to everybody in the country. And maybe a benefit to the whole world. They certainly had killed enough people during World War II, and they loved killing civilians. Of course, they uh, in Germany in Germany they uh, did what they called morale bombing, and which was to to destroy every small town, every city, uh, every every uh, every civilian village in the in the country of Germany. Same thing in Japan. They wanted to destroy every city, and um, uh, the Japanese cities were. People's houses were, were built of wooden paper uh, and uh, they burned very easily and they loved uh, dropping napalm and uh, they were all around at this at the circumference of a city and burning everybody in it to death so they really got a kick out of that It's, it's uh, so sick it's very sick
0: in, you know if, you've, if you observe history and you see how various nations rise and fall and they go from bondage, and they go to freedom based on what you're saying based on your studying history where do you see the united states where do you see that the united states and even some of the countries in the world how does a super state, the way that it is right now is it is it does it stand will it stand that that way that way for a long time does freedom ever have a chance at this point based on other governments that have come and gone and other nations that have risen and fallen. And I'm not just talking about the government. I'm talking about, collectively speaking, the nation because I almost feel like in America, I've never seen a people so much more divided. Like, they, they shouldn't even be in the same country. And sometimes I feel like their values are so shockingly... No, they uh,
1: shouldn't uh, be in the uh, same country. You're yeah. exactly right.
0: But um, how would you describe... with, with, with the, is the United States... A sim- any, any other countries that um, would you say the United States is similar to... And again, how do uh, na- nations rise and fall in terms of going from tyranny to freedom? What generally brings about a nation turning to uh, freedom from tyranny? Well,
1: there's certainly been a lot of empires in the history of the world. Um, and the Roman Empire, for example, lasted for a very long time, but eventually went down. Uh, the British Empire lasted for less time, but eventually uh, it went down. The same with the Babylonians and the Assyrians and and uh, there have been a a host of empires, and uh, they all last for a while, then they fail. I think the U.S. is is, uh, probably headed for for economic failure uh, because of all the seeds it's drawn, it's sown with the central banking and um, all the unbelievable amount of spending, the unbelievable amount of debt. And I think uh, the Western world has followed the U.S. in these things. Uh, EU and um, uh, it's the Bank of Japan uh, have done similar horrible things so um, and they're all of course controlled by the U.S. the U.S. continues to occupy Europe and to occupy uh, Japan all these years after World War II and to control them Uh, that's that's a pretty terrible thing too of course and we're supposed to they're supposed to uh, Mr. Trump is always saying they should be paying more for their their defense well of course, that's just baloney. I mean, what, who are the U.S. defending them against? The U.S. Occup- militarily occupies them. Nobody is threatening to invade Europe. Nobody is threatening to invade Japan. If they are, uh, uh, Europe and Japan certainly have the wherewithal to defend themselves, and they should be defending themselves. The U.S. has no business doing so. Uh, but the U.S. you know has treaties with so many countries, uh, so-called mutual defense treaties. Now they're talking about one with Israel. Uh, but the idea that Israel is ever going to defend the U.S., that's, of course, these things never work in, uh, in both directions. It's only in one direction. So um, I think the, my guess is when, when the economic end comes, or at least the economic uh, um, disaster comes, and is obvious to everyone, uh, that I think and hope people will begin to question, especially if people like us are talking about this, question this gigantic military budget, and, uh, you know, they, as was mentioned at the conference, uh, the official, um, uh, official something like 683 billion. Uh, but really, it's more than twice that because you have to include everything. You have to include, for example, the part of the Department of Energy that makes and maintains uh, nuclear weapons. You have to uh, include all, all, all the various, the, the military aspects of, aspects of NASA. I mean, so many of these uh, operations have military aspects of them and it's really uh 1.2 1.3 1.4 trillion dollars we don't it's it's you can they always argue they lose it.
0: money they like, oh, we can't account for 1.5 trillion if i lost one you know how much trouble i would get into with my wife dollars, and wife said. If i said sweetie yeah. i i lost 1.5 trillion dollars you think i'm getting a whole <laughs> pass on that no no, I'm, I'm on the couch for a few days at least. Uh, Mr. Rockwell, the final question I have for you is because on our show, we, we do focus a lot on consciousness and getting to the right consciousness. And battle between tyranny and freedom, I, I see a lot of it as maturity. I don't know. I feel like people who are very passionate about freedom, they seem to be very mature because a lot of it is about self-responsibility. You know, taking responsibility for your own actions and at the same time, I see those that want to be taken care of by the state. They're like – like they don't want to grow up or something. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, what are two things that a person can do each and every day to increase their mor- morality, become a morally uh, responsible person? How can they you know, become more peaceful, become more loving, become more compassionate, become the antithesis of the very forces that seek to control them and to dominate uh, their fellow countrymen?
1: Well, I think you, know, you make a good point about mature people, but young pe- there are plenty of young people who share our ideas and are very much concerned about the future and about the idea of being drafted and, and uh, uh, similar horrors. So I think that all of us of whatever age um, can just read. I mean, it's, it's, there's so much to read. There's so many great books, inspiring books uh, uh, that have been written uh, just in the, in the uh, 20th century. Um, and some that you've uh, written sir we'll, we'll definitely post some of it what's, well, your new,
0: what's your new book coming out
1: it's against the left and uh, uh, I hope it'll be out in about three months okay. maybe less than that
0: there's one of your books that I love to read it's called Against the State An Anarcho Capitalist Manifesto it's really wonderful and that's something that made me think a lot So, um, well thank you thank you and uh, Mr. Lou Rockwell I want to thank you so much for being with us today again Mr. Rockwell is the founder and chairman of the Mises Institute. And you can also learn more about him by going to his website at lewrockwell.com. Mr. Rockwell, it's a great honor. Thank you, sir. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of the Truth radio show. Special thanks to our incredible guest, Lou Rockwell. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Stellas, and Ms. Lisa McGarity. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take care. Thank you so much for listening.